Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Josh Dean. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today we are going to be discussing my suggestion, Nightcrawler, the 2014 Jake Gyllenhaal film. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. And um, my list is fairly short because um, I was busy with other things. But I, I ended up watching uh, what we Americans know as Cuties, um, which is not its original French name. Um, and by the looks on everyone's faces, I'm guessing no one's heard about the controversy with this movie. I have. Okay. Nope. So, Aaron, can you explain the controversy of this movie? So... The movie is about this girl who joins a dance troupe and the dance troupe is like kind of risque, especially for the culture that she's in and, and their age and their age and their, uh, she's, she's getting more engaged in social media and, and a lot of adult situations come up and she deals with it like a kid a kid who doesn't know any better. And the movie won a lot of awards on the festivals. Um, and it was, it was marketed in a pretty non-sexual manner. And then Netflix got a hold of it and they changed the poster to look something more akin to dance mom's poster, which is hypersexualized. And so everybody is like, this movie promotes pedophilia, blah, 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 and just started canceling it, even though they've never seen it. Also, the movie is called Cuties here. It's called Mignonas in France. Um, I, I doubt that's how you pronounce it correctly, but... I think you got um, it. But there, that, that's, that's pretty much the controversy. Yeah. Is a lot of people that haven't seen it are yelling about it. So the controversy is all about how Netflix originally marketed it they immediately turned on their heel and and changed the poster or whatever to to something more in line with how the original marketing was done but yeah the poster that they made for the movie or that they put up for the movie was a bunch of underage girls in very provocative poses and people got very upset about it um it will surprise no one to learn that this is not like a pro pedophilia movie. It doesn't really directly deal with any of that kind of stuff. It's just part of the content of the movie. And these girls get more and more. Um, they, they, they dress like, you know, professional dance troops would dress, but they're all like 15, 14 years old. So it's kind of, over the top and risque. Um, the other thing that happened was that somebody posted like their final dance. It, that's in like the final dance that is shown in the movie. They posted that online and they ended it at the end of the dance. And that's also misleading because what happens directly after the dance is way more important to the story than just the dance itself. But when you watch it by itself out of context, it's like, if the whole movie's like this, then this is just, this is pedophilia. This is watching like underage girls dance provocatively. And that's not what the movie's about 
per se. It's just something that happens in the movie. Um, so the the bad part is is it it seems like Netflix has ruined this director's career. I don't like, think so. I think this controversy drove a lot of people like me to see this movie and find out for themselves if it was um, if it was bad or not. Yeah, they they released a video. Um, it's under the extras if you if you look up cuties on Netflix. Yeah. and it's the director talking about why I created cuties, and I think that helps yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and it, clearly too, it's like one, it's a French film, so that's a different culture. They view things differently in France than Americans do. Americans are so quick to cancel everything because of basically no information whatsoever, um, because we're all very self righteous and obviously you know, lumping us into that category. But like, yeah, it just seems like, you know, have you never seen the movie Lolita? Like, I mean, that's actually pedophilia, uh, and you know, like people, it's like, come on, Zach, what are you even watching? Uh, so on the, um, TV show side of things, I don't know if I mentioned Cobra Kai last time, but I'm going to mention it again because I fucking love that shit. Uh, it's just so cheesy, but so good. And I just love, I like the relationship I have with it. It's like, I, I, I hate love both of the main characters like constantly. I don't know. There's just something about the way they did it that I'm just a big, I'm a big fan of. Um, and I, it's stupid cause it's so nostalgic and like shouldn't have happened, but I'm happy that it did. Um, so yeah, Cobra Kai, man. Um, but also, uh, the vow on HBO, anybody else catching this one? Uh-uh. It's about the Nexium group and the, uh, sex cult oh. with Keith oh, Raniere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had actually known about some of the stuff, the sex cult stuff beforehand. I had watched like a, I don't know, like an A and E presentation of it or whatever is it a i'm not loving it is it a drama or a documentary it's a documentary but it's it should be a drama like uh, first of all i thought that the guy at the beginning of it the guy's like i wanted to make this documentary to show my experience with nexium but it turned into something else it seemed very self-righteous and then i found out that the guy who's like the, the the main guy in it mark is not actually the director of the documentary um and then like of course it's a lot of like recorded phone calls and like they have so much content especially like recorded phone calls and i'm like so you guys were just recording these phone calls for like 10 years like and then there's just like there's definitely reenactments and they make it out (sighs) i don't like it i i'm I'm pushing (laughs) through it but i think it's one of the worst documentaries series i've ever seen because it's so cookie cutter and so overproduced yeah and i think that like the story is more important than the way that they're telling the story. And it, mm, yeah. it actually frustrates me. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so, for landing yeah. on the grenade on that one. Cause I probably would have checked that out at some point. Otherwise <laughs> it's yeah, it's really not worth it. Like you can look up the story of it and actually get more out of it than you would out of this docuseries. Did you like, see it's just, uh, filthy rich? The Jeffrey Epstein. No, one? I watched part of it. Okay. I watched the like first episode, I think. Yeah. I was curious to know how it would compare with that. Um, but I thought that one was really pretty solid. I'm trying to think of a documentary series that was kind of not I'll great. have to get through the rest of that one. I, d- I do want to finish that one. It's just, it's also, speaking of my pedophilia, it's hard to get through. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, if I if I get through that one, I'll, I'll let you know, because The Vow still has like a couple more episodes, I think. So um, it'll still be going. That might be the but... problem, is that they they are stretching it too long. 
Like maybe yeah. it needed to be two or three episodes instead of six or whatever it is. Yeah, much more of a like give us more of like a McMillions, which also went on just a little bit too long. Like yeah. you know, you could do this in two parts or something, yeah. you know. Um so yeah. Now I wouldn't recommend that for most people unless they were really curious about the story. Um few movies though. Um I rewatched Knives Out actually a couple times recently. Um just super solid. My wife wanted to watch it, so I rewatched it after already re- rewatching it. I saw it in the movie theaters. Yeah. I just I like Ryan Johnson's stuff. I think it's a good who done it. Um it's a fun watch. It's actually an easy watch. It's just kind of like once you know the story, it's fun to go back and just kind of be a part of the whole like clue mystery situation knowing the end, you know. My wife is a big fan of the movie Brick, which I think was his yeah. debut. Yeah. Um, huh. At least it was Love the first Brick. one of uh, his movies that I saw. And yeah, so, me too. Yeah, we're we're glad that he's doing movies like Knives Out and <laughs> and not uh, doing big blockbuster franchise movies anymore. Yeah, I don't think people are going to take kindly to any more of his Star Wars situations. No. I loved The Last Jedi, but I'm one of the few, so. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, everyone's like, okay, whatever, Zach. No, I I, I like Last Jedi. Yeah, he's not he's not my Luke Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> have you seen that supercut on YouTube? Of it's called like every time Mark Hamill subtly tried to tell us the Last Jedi sucked, and no. it's all press junket interviews like leading up to the movie where they're oh, like, sure. so what can you tell us about you know what's different about Luke in in the new movie? And he's just like. He has lines. <laughs> he has lines or he'll yeah. say stuff like I disagreed with the direction of the character, but it's not my story anymore. I'm not the protagonist anymore. So I kind of yeah. made up in my head a story of how I got from there to here. But JJ didn't have the answer when I asked him or when I told him what my idea of it was. He just sort of patted me on the head and told me to go away. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brian Johnson was just like, no, you need to be this in the movie so that these other things can happen. And he's like, fair enough. All right. Yeah. Not my yeah, Luke there, Skywalker. There was, there was one interview he did where it was kind of like Marshawn Lynch's, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> After every question, he just gave like a two word answer for like yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was brutal. Um, I've, I've seen some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. It's all right. We'll, 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 we'll all, we'll all move on. We'll all, we'll live, you know? Um, I watched, uh, Jumanji, the next level with my family recently and, uh, was not impressed. I absolutely loved welcome to the jungle. I was just like, this was amazing. And then the next level was kind of a letdown in my opinion. Um, it's because they replaced the, like, you you had this awesome chemistry from the first movie, and yeah. then they they were like, "Well, let's throw Danny DeVito and Danny Glover in there for no apparent reason." <laughs> yeah, and like the old man thing just like didn't really land with me. And then like, but my dad loved it. He's like, "I like this one more than the other one." And I was like, "You you would." <laughs> they probably found out that that was like a weakness with the first one, like as far as ticket sales, that seniors weren't buying tickets to it. Mm. And so they added those actors to try and draw in a broader audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it was, it was, it was fine, but like, I just didn't, just didn't land to me like the, um, welcome to the jungle did. Yeah. 
Um, but then the big news, guys, I went to an actual movie theater yesterday, sat in an actual movie theater seat for the first time since February, and watched Christopher Nolan's Tenant. That is, that is horribly irresponsible, yeah. sir. <laughs> so if you're dead by next week, um, will it have been worth it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely it was. okay. No. Good. No, uh, I'll say this. It was, it. It's not my favorite Christopher Nolan film. I definitely need a second watch, uh, as you do with most Christopher Nolan films. Um, it was like Inception 2.0. Um, it was very much. It felt the same uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I thought that the acting was fairly good, and you know the story is not. I mean, I'm a person who doesn't believe in the concept of time. Yet that was hard for me to watch. <laughs> It was like, wait a second, what are you talking about moving forwards and backwards with quantum physics and everything? Um, Action sequences were fun, um, but, you know, I think Nolan's definitely had some better works out there for sure. So fair enough. Yeah, I'll see it eventually. Yeah, I'm sure if you have a good home entertainment system, it'd be just as good. Uh, Josh, how about you? Uh, let's see. So, uh, kept watching the boys. Um, you know, that's just coming out week to week. Uh, movie wise, I watched the devil all the time, uh, on Netflix. Um, it's, uh, all star cast, all star. <laughs> and it's, um, <laughs> let's see, uh, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, uh, got Dudley Dursley's in it. Um, let's see, uh, Oh, so you weren't Other being sarcastic. Who I can't think of right now. No, 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 no. Uh, there, there actually is uh, quite a few. Oh, uh, Sebastian Stan. Stan Sebastian. What's his name? Sebastian, Sebastian Stan. Stan. Thank you. Winter Soldier. He's in there, and he's plumped up a good bit, which was awesome. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of good people in it. But, uh, uh, oh, and the the clown from It. What's his name? Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Uh, Bill? Bill, I think. Yes. So uh, it's an intergenerational, it reminded me of like the Place Beyond the Pines mixed with Lawless, if anybody's seen either of those Oh, that movies. sounds great. I it's love a lot the Place of, Beyond the Pines. Yeah, it's it's got that kind of how violence is transmitted through the generations. generations. And yeah, uh, I really liked it a lot. Some of the people I watched it, well, not in the same room with, but at the same time with, were not as big of fans, but... Um, I think it's worth watching for sure. Say the name uh, of it again. Uh, the Devil All the Time. Okay. And uh, the other one I watched was uh, Death on the Nile from the 70s. Um, oh, yeah. Because because I like Knives Out so much, and that was one of the recommended movies. If you like Knives Out, check out Death on the Nile. Um, but I watched it on Pluto TV. Uh-huh. I swear to God, if I see the Lift Up commercial one more time, I'm taking a fucking hostage because yeah, that Pluto's. was oh my god and that was the only commercial that would show for this two and a half hour movie and they take a commercial break every five to six minutes it felt like so yeah. i was ready to murder somebody myself by the end of that <laughs> um but it was a good I, all that aside it was really good little mystery and it had a better solution than murder on the orient express so i was happier with it now, ha- have you seen the trailer for the new one i have not so is it it's Brana again, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile is another Poro story, right? 
Have you seen David Suchet's Poirot series? No, the one on like PBS. The, yeah. The, no, I have not. It's excellent. Uh, uh, I I think it's better than than the Bronig for sure. Um, I, especially the performance. David Suchet is just like the perfect Poro and got to play him for like a hundred hours. Oh, um, that's awesome! So I have been wanting to watch that for a long time. I've just it's on my to do list. Uh, and I think it's on Hoopla or Canopy, one of those. Yeah, it probably is. They probably got the the DVDs ripped onto those. But anyway, that was it for me. Cool. Aaron? Uh, So recently I have been absolutely just devouring HBO Max's Lovecraft Country. Yep. I cannot stop watching it. It it, it, it gets better every episode. Uh, Gosh, I I just love it so much. Um, Been watching that. Uh, Recently watched all of the Bill and Ted's. Um, Uh. They're fine. They've they've not aged the greatest. It's really hard to watch it and see John Wick doing these things. Uh, <laughs> Is this your He's first time? You. Oh no, no, no! I I grew up I grew up watching these movies, but it's just it's just weird going back and seeing that version of Keanu. Um, and. What else have we been watching? Um, I actually think that's about it, man. Okay. My suggestion was Nightcrawler. Um, I know that Aaron saw it before because he and I saw it opening night together. Josh, I think you had seen it before. Yep. And Zach had either started it or never seen it. Never seen it. So let's start with you, Zach. What did you think of Nightcrawler? Yeah, this is definitely one that I've been wanting to see for a while. It actually was in my list to watch on Netflix for a long, long time, and I just never one that I got around to. And I guess I had a different idea of what I thought the story was, but mm. I'm going to say I absolutely loved it. Um, I love stuff like this. Uh, first of all, it was shot beautifully. Yes. I thought the cinematography was astounding, especially having lived in Los Angeles and capturing Los Angeles. Yeah. Very well done. Um, the story was great. Jake Gyllenhaal was amazing. Um, cause it's just like, you sort of can relate, but then yet you still hate him because right. of like the way that he acts and the things that he does. Uh, I thought Riz was great. I think he's still like a lot of stuff he does is really good. Um, and then, yeah, just like, so I actually watched a show called shot in the dark. It's a six part series on Netflix about this profession. And it's a reality TV show, essentially. And I want them to come out with a second season. And the show, I think, is almost just as good as the movie is. It's not as well shot. But the stories are sort of as compelling, like especially one of the stories that happens in the very first episode. But it's all about these guys who are news chasers. They're story chasers. And um, what they do and what they go through. Funny thing, one of the guys in the show, Shot in the Dark, also drives a Charger. And it's not a red charger it's a white charger uh i and i think there's a there's either a a very similar uh company that's like vpn mm-hmm. um that's like similar to it or whatever um but that show shot in the dark taught me to look for the stamp 
of the company that shoots those videos for like the stuff that's yeah. shot, you know, basically not during the daytime or by the actual station. Um, so I learned a lot from that show, but it helped me, I think, even more to love this movie. Um, do, you, and, do you mean it has yeah. companies like the one Bill Paxton runs or the one that Jake Gyllenhaal is running at the end of the movie? Both, actually. There, there's kind of both. There's sort of like these really super high professional teams that have like a, a multiple vans, a technology and like all the stuff. And then there's some of the ones that are sort of like the crackpot, like let's get out there and do it on our own. Um, we've got old equipment, but we don't care. Kind of like yeah. the, whole, the, the whole gamut of the movie is exactly what you see from these guys in this TV show. But that's like, it. it's so not far from the truth other than maybe like, him seeing the actual crime being committed and getting the footage of the bodies and stuff like that. Like everything else in the movie body is to get a better and shot. moving a body. Yeah. Like some of it's dramatized a little bit, but like a lot of it's really real. Like they get that footage. They're right up in the mix. They hustle to get those shots and stuff. Um, I don't know. I just, and I, I really appreciated the, like the quality, the value of the whole story and everything. I mean, it, it, it was great. I really, really loved it. Yeah. The way you just described the differences between the two teams reminded me that so Bill Paxton in this movie was Carrie Elwes in Twister, and yes, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie is Bill Paxton in Twister. Twister, <laughs> totally. so I, I think we've uh, cracked it here. This is just a remake <laughs> of Twister, guys. <laughs> and I love movies like Twister. Anything that's like that, like oh, I'm all into man. Um, for the listeners. This is nothing like Twister. Um, <laughs> Twister is a piece of shit. Um, and I love this movie. So just um, for what it's worth. We got cows. That's the same cow. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can all go to hell and hunt. Oh, oh yes. Boo. So good. Boo. Josh, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. I loved it the first time I saw it. Uh, I loved it this time um i actually i was a private detective for a month and a half at one point in my life mm -hmm. wow. and uh this reminded me this gave me that same anxiety of like trying to record people without getting in the way or without them noticing your recording um every time he like tried to cross a line or tried to like get behind a somebody or i i just was like yeah you're gonna get caught you're gonna get caught because i always got caught um so i was not a good private detective i got fired very very quickly um <laughs> but uh yeah this movie is almost the dramatic equivalent of something like a gervais a ricky gervais show for me like it's cringe like i cringe so hard watching this movie and bite my knuckles and like just oh god uh even though i know how it was going to go this time watching it the second time around it still gave me a lot of anxiety but in the best the way the best movies can do you know yeah that white um, knuckle experience absolutely uh now their follow-up movie they did uh this this director and this cast velvet buzzsaw is a huge steaming turd, and I would not recommend it to anybody. I don't know what happened between movies, but uh, Nightcrawler, Menifique, Chef's Kiss. <laughs> I like it. Aaron, how about you? Well, I mean, obviously we wouldn't watch this opening night, uh, but this movie has, it stands up. Like, it, it, 
it's still as good today as when we saw it way back then. Um, the, the cast is just fantastic. Jake Gyllenhaal as Lewis Bloom is, he, he's up there with, uh, Verbal Kent and Patrick Bateman and Travis Bickle. Like he's, he's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and this movie also takes a lot from those, especially usual suspects. I mean, the final scene between him and the detective and the, that, that is almost exactly the end of usual suspects is fantastic. Um, just like the, the entire movie, you go through this entire movie with this guy and, and you know that he is morally bankrupt, but you just want him to succeed because he's so damn charismatic. Um, and there are a couple scenes I want to point to. One being um, when he pressures uh, Rene Russo's character into the date to renegotiate his terms. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene is hard to watch. Like, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. And the, the coolness that he... You're talking about when they're at the restaurant? Yes, when he's basically like, sleep with me or I take my business elsewhere. Yeah. Um, The way he conveys his viewpoint on everything in this calm, cool, and collected manner, you're just like, what the hell is going on with this guy? Like, you've seen him do some pretty horrible stuff at this point, but like, this is, this is, somebody that is about the closest thing he has to a friend. And and you're just like, Oh, the entire time you just like, I I was, it was like needles were going down my spine. I'm like, no, it's, it's very hard to watch. What if my Um, problem is that is not that I'm not good with people, but that I don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) And, And then of course the, um, the last 15 minutes of the film um, when, when he uh, go fr- from the point he goes and investigates the crash with the gunman in the front seat. Uh-huh. Like fr- from that point on the movie is just mind blowingly awesome. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so good. And, and, even though you know that he is going to do something incredibly shady, what happens in that scene is it was shocking still. Yeah. Like, and it's, I don't know how they managed to do it, but it was so effective. And I just cannot recommend this movie enough. It's so good. Yeah, so it was one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, 2014 was real good for movies. Um, And this ended up being my third favorite movie of the year um, behind two Chris Pratt movies, which is equally bizarre. Um, (laughs) My number one was the Lego movie, and my number two was Guardians of the Galaxy. And those are both movies that I can recommend to anyone. And Nightcrawler is a movie that I can recommend to ever, anyone over 17. 
Um, anyone who can watch an R-rated movie uh, should see Nightcrawler. Um, the cinematography is fantastic. Um, the whole like it's it's all at night, all the time. You know, once or twice you'll see him like getting done with something like as the as dawn's breaking or to be like feeding his plant and watching the morning news with his footage on it or whatever. But it's all these, you know, insane uh, shots up through, you know, the hills, the Hollywood Hills, Laurel Canyon, um, down into downtown and up into uh, the valley and just all over the place. Uh, the character, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is just so well-written and well-realized. It's, it's such a good, um, Dan Gilroy wrote and directed this movie and it shows in how, how the performance is directed that, that this guy from the beginning, this guy is who he is. He's he's coming into this profession, but he is fully formed as a person when he starts this movie. He's th- three dimensional character. We just come to learn about him over time, and he just becomes more um, depraved in front of us over time. Uh, but his the fact that he's always uh, three steps ahead of everybody on what they're thinking, what they're doing, and when he's not, he goes berserk like when uh when bill paxton uh starts the second van and starts beating him to things like he loses it and it's heavily implied that he did something to pull bill paxton's van well they show it they show him sliding out from underneath the van yeah so there's that um there's he's just checking the oil yeah what do you guys think you, you what do you mean there's that. Um, there's the uh, the scene that you were talking about, Aaron. That's really uncomfortable between him and Rene Russo. There's another scene that's implied, and I wonder if it was originally in the movie or not. Like whether they had plans to make it and decided not to. Like the, the movie didn't need it, or if they cut it uh, for time. But they they have an, a, another scene later in the movie that implies that they did get together. And she was less than receptive to him because part of his new negotiation at the end of the movie is, you know, and you will do the things that I ask you to do when I ask you to do them. Not like last time. It's like, oh, oh, God. Uh, (laughs) So that whole whole part of it is amazing. And just watching this character is amazing. It's, um, you know, he's not a morally gray character. He is a. He is a bad, a bad human being. Um, and he's doing a, uh, a pretty, uh, you know, scummy job in an, in an heightened way more scummy than necessary way. <laughs> you know, um, you can be Bill Paxton and still be a halfway decent person. You cannot be Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie and be a decent person. Um, I think as soon as he moves the body, like it's over, the the audience is like, no, 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 no. (laughs) And then, you know, by the end, like if you haven't, by the time he gets Rick killed, that, that pushes you over the edge. It's like, Oh, he just went and got Rick 
shot like he did this on purpose but like the the start of the movie and the end of the movie kind of happen almost parallel to one another it's like um you've got at the beginning, he's got that security guard pointing a light in his face, asking him questions, and he's clearly a thief. Mm-hmm. And he's just scrambling for a lie. He puts that great big smile on as soon as he sees the guy coming. It's like, yeah. And then at the end, he's talking to interns. He has he has fully realized he's now legitimized. Yeah, and, but it it still comes off with the same venom as the original scene that first scene and you're just well it's it's so important in the early part of the movie that they show us that he's he's learned this whole like um business speak uh charismatic way of of talking people into things but that he's not successful at it in the beginning He, he can't talk his way out of everything or into everything that he wants to at the beginning of the movie um, the best example I can think of is when he goes to the junk dealer and tries to get a job and then he tries to get an internship instead. And the guy finally is like, I'm not hiring a fucking thief. And he just smiles and goes, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like point taken. You, you win this round. Uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he totally becomes better at it. Um, and you know, by the end when he's got the footage and, hasn't responded to Rene Russo because bringing it in at the last minute makes it more valuable to her. Like that's, that's like next, 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 next level of, of, uh, manipulation. Yeah. He says he's a fast learner and you can see that through the actions that he takes, uh, that every time he does something, he does learn a lesson from it. But most of the time, those lessons are how to undercut or how to manipulate or how to uh, create uh, instances for himself to be successful. Yeah. Um, so he's 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 a very savvy business person. Yeah. <laughs> and he always says stuff like, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, blackmailing you. I'm not trying to tell you, you know, to, how to do something. You have a choice. And 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 I have a choice. <laughs> and if you make a choice, I I will also make a choice. Like during that the the money negotiation scene with with Rick, he's like, "Are you are you telling me you're going to fire me over this?" It's like, "No, I'm not telling you I'm going to fire you over this." But you have a choice to make, and I have a choice to make. We both have choices. Um, didn't um, didn't work out well for Rick. Yeah. I really like Renee Russo. Uh, I really like her as an actress. I learned um, doing research again, looking into this movie again. Uh, she is actually married to Dan Gilroy. And that uh. is likely why she is in those two movies, the, the uh, Velvet Buzzsaw and, and Nightcrawler, both. And Might also be why we didn't see any sex scenes. You know, I wondered about that, but I also feel like it's more effective the way they did it because oh yeah, that that scene that Aaron talked about is plenty of uncomfortable uh, Me Too bullshit for the movie to have. It didn't need like a 
date rape scene to to like cement that further in our minds. Just he was already a villain. Yeah, just just <laughs> them mentioning that it had happened in the interim, like that we hadn't seen it, but that it had happened was enough. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a there's a pretty sizable gap between that scene and the next time you see Renee Russo's character. Mm-hmm. And so you're left in the lurch, well, what decision did she make? And then that scene happens and you're like, oh. But I think it, it also works in the movie's favor because <sighs> if if they make if they make Renee Russo a female lead, like more of a lead than she I mean, she's the lead female just by default in this movie, but if they make her like more of a character in the movie that we care about, then we have a harder time following Jake Gyllenhaal's story all the way through. So it's, it's, it's good that we see her exactly the way he sees her exactly when he sees her. It's not like suddenly we start following scenes that only she is in, you know, or it's, it's her trying to, talk her boss into letting her run some insane footage that he got or something. So I think all of that works out really great. I, uh, uh another, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say real quick shout out to the, uh, the use of actual legit highways and highway systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene where he's like, how do I get there? And Nikki, and then Riz is like, or Rick is like, uh, you take the five to the one ten to the 10. That was my drive. For the better part of a year when I was working in Glendale and lived near Culver City, a lot of it actually takes, yeah, a lot of it takes place in Culver City. So I knew a lot of those locations, um, but I knew that. And then he goes, no, because I told you the memo's got the five's got like, you know, construction, always moving construction. And then he's like, you go to the two to the one, 10 to the 10. And I was like, I know that one too. Like, I just knew all of the systems, Um, but like, but it was all accurate. I loved how this, like the accuracy of it really, like to me, being someone who's lived in Los Angeles, I really appreciate shit like that. It's See, the fact that the Californians is a real thing. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that was a thing. It's a I real thing. I had no idea that yep. was a thing. Amber's family, my wife's family is from California, and that's how they give directions. Yep. And I'm like, you got to slow down. <laughs> it's like, I, what about like Walmart? Tell me to take a left at the Walmart, right? Go as the crow flies. And they're like the 10 to the 210. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a few things that I uh, I picked out from the movie that I thought were worth uh, mentioning. Um, there's a, sh- uh, a shot that I really, really liked early on in the movie. Um, I think it's the second time that he goes to the newsroom. And uh, it's after like he and Renee Russo are standing in front of the fake city skyline and he says how it looks real on TV. And she's like, yeah, whatever kind of thing and walks away. He sits down at the desk and the shot is composed of one half of the screen is the camera, the, the, the camera for the movie looking at the desk way in the distance. The other half of the screen is the viewfinder of the news camera that's pointed at the desk and he goes to sit down and the camera slowly pulls focus back away from the real him to the him through the viewfinder. And he just looks into that camera and gives this like creepy stare at it. It's just such a great shot. 
Speaking of creepy stare, did you see him blink in the movie ever? No. Uh, probably not. Yeah, no. I think I think that's a Jake Gyllenhaal thing. I don't know if he <laughs> blinks very much at all. I think that's one of those actor tricks to like really make you unsettled is just to never blink, just eyes wide open all the time. It really creeps you out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that might Sorry. be a Jake Gyllenhaal thing. I don't remember him blinking much in Enemy or like any <laughs> oh, of my other that's favorite. An- that's another fantastic movie. Source code, he's blinking up a storm. I will tell yeah. you. <laughs> Somebody go watch uh, Sands of Time. Was it? Uh, Okja. I feel like he plays a kind of a similarish character in Okja with like the crazy wildlife guy or whatever. Oh, yeah. He's super manic. Mm-hmm. He's good at it. Yeah. Um, I wrote down a couple of lines. Um, a friend is a gift you give yourself. <laughs> That's at the end of one of his long, insane rants. If, if you're going to win the lottery, you have to have the money to buy a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you got to earn the money to buy a ticket. Uh, and then he gives that smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's like part one of like 20 before the guy says, I'm not hiring a thief. <laughs> and he's like, you're good move. <laughs> You win. Did you did you notice though? There's a story about somebody winning the lottery, and the next time he's watching, the <laughs> he's like and he gives himself a little chuckle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the the story was actually that they hadn't found the person. Oh, that's right. That yeah, bought yeah, the yeah. ticket. Yeah. Um, the other line I wrote down was, uh, "I like to say, if you see me, you're having the worst day of your life." <laughs> yeah. That's the last thing he says to the detective before she leaves. I feel like they said that in that uh, that shot at night or the, the the show that I watched the shot at dark or shot into the dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like one of the guys says that too. Like I wonder if it's like he wanted he must have watched Nightcrawler and then started this job. <laughs> well, I th- I think that's a fairly uh, like a f- a fairly common phrase with like uh, first responders is like you mm-hmm. only see me on the worst day of your life, like firemen. Uh, police, like a lot of those, I've heard that line before from people like that, but never said with that big of a smile and that, that like, you know, I'm going to trademark this and put it on the side of my van. Like if you're (laughs) seeing me, it's the worst day of your life. Yeah. There, there's a, this, the scene that the movie ends on uh, where he's talking to the interns he says something, and it's it's pretty benign if you haven't seen the rest of the movie. But seeing everything that he's done up to that point, when he tells the interns, I would never ask you mm-hmm. to do anything that, that I, I wouldn't, wouldn't do, do myself. myself. You're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this guy's, <laughs> yeah. at least he's telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. But, but they're all going to probably get murdered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's only if they take his negotiating power away. or if they don't use the focus he told him to use the zoom and the focus or if they get gasoline on his car that eats the paint you know it does it does i will terminate you on the spot Uh. (laughs) um and then the the last thing that i wanted to bring up just because it's kind of funny in our uh our deeply discussing movie podcast universe um at one point in the movie he is watching a movie on tv with two knights jousting and one knight takes the other knight's helmet off and then 
you see the other knight like pop his head up from underneath the armor and Jake Gyllenhaal's character like looks away from the screen like he's looking at somebody else and then looks back at the screen and starts laughing like, ha, ha, that's a good one. Um, that movie is The Court Jester. And uh, mm. that is where uh, the further adventures of young Angela Lansbury take place. She is the, yeah. the fairy tale princess in that movie. So, wow, uh, it's one of my favorites, and uh, only fitting that it was it was part of this other movie that I like a whole lot. But that's a movie I can recommend <laughs> to everyone. Everyone can watch The Court Gesture. It's rated G. It's great for kids. <laughs> Yeah, that's a deep cut when we have these little subtle connections from other movies that we've yeah. watched. Yeah, I there was a lot about this movie that I'd forgotten. I mean, I only I just saw it opening night, you know, in six years ago. Um, so uh, there was a lot. It, I actually, when we got to like the hour mark in the movie, I was like, "Man, what else is there?" And then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah." I was the same way. I didn't think he did the the home invasion thing till way later in the movie for some reason. Yeah, because the last hour goes by so fast. Yeah. But when you get to like the hour mark, you're sort of like, okay, is the, there's not that much of the story left. But it's like, no, it just feels like time has has rushed ahead. Like the last hour of the movie feels like it takes 15 or 20 minutes. It just flies True. by. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I'm glad that it has been so long since I saw it last. It's only been about a year or so for me. Um, but it was, it was almost like getting to experience this character for the first time again. Yeah. And it was, it was just like, Oh my God, this, this guy is absolutely insane and I can't get enough of it. Please stay on my TV for the next two hours. Yeah. Um, we talked about like the other sort of, uh, uh, character characters that feel like this, like the, you know, I think especially like the Travis Bickle uh, thing is, is, is a pretty fair assessment. I think drive is also fairly similar to this movie that it just kind of strikes me as the same frame of reference. It's like male protagonist um, city streets at night all the way through and, kind of a nihilistic or like very small uh, set of core values that the person has and that they're working on and that they do a strange job. Um, That's kind of, that's probably my closest analog to it. What do you guys think? Well, the the final scene, uh, one of the final scenes uh, where he is being investigated by the detective uh, interrogated. Um, that's almost shot for shot. Usual suspects. He makes up this incredible story about what's going on. And then he walks out and the camera is focused on his feet and then it pans up and he puts on his glasses and walks off. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think Uh, like, I mean, the usual suspects is an ensemble heist movie with a twist. Yeah. This is like, most of this movie is very different than that. Uh, American Psycho was a big touchstone for me for this one in terms of this is who Patrick Bateman 
thinks he is, but isn't mm-hmm. like he's actually a dweeb in real life. But yeah, yeah, Lou Bloom is the American Psycho personified. Uh, yeah, I recently so read that one definitely fit in. I recently read that uh, uh, Christian Bale's uh, like inspiration or like how he kind of got himself into the role was he tried to play Patrick Bateman as Tom Cruise in real life. (laughs) That's, that's, that's literally how he patterned the character was the way that Tom Cruise is. It's like, and once you, once you hear that, you kind of can't unsee it. Like, yeah, I got to return some videotapes. <laughs> well, uh, Josh, it's your turn to suggest a movie. What would you like for us to watch? All right. Um, I think I'm going to do Damsel. Robert okay. Pattinson Could- and Mia, Was- Mia Wasowski. Mia Wasowska. Sure. Uh-huh. Right. Her too. Wasikowska. There we go. I used to ha- like have her name down because I used to watch a, a TV show she was in. But it's she's been a also while. in The Devil all the time. Oh, okay, thanks everybody for uh, participating in this discussion. Thanks everybody for listening. We will see you on the next deeply discussing movie podcast.